Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm so excited to sit down with Desiree Verdejo. She is the founder of Hyperskin, a clean beauty brand that focuses on serving a wide range of skin tones and dark spots. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know. I'm so excited. I feel like I see Hyperskin everywhere. Like, you guys are blowing up. That's the goal. That's the goal. So, congratulations. <laughs> um huge fan i would love to learn a little bit more about your founder journey and your founder story because i know that you've had a big career shift before you were not always in beauty right yeah i've definitely um had a few pivots in my <laughs> life um i started out my career as an attorney um practiced for many years at a big law firm in new york city so very my, different very different <laughs> my day-to-day -to -day today looks very different than it did then um, but I've always loved beauty, and I've actually always um, struggled with my own skin. Mm -hmm. And so that kept me, um, that, sorry. No worries. And so because of that, I was always like paying attention to skincare, ingredients, brands, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for a long time, I just considered it a hobby. Yeah. I never really thought of it as something that I would make a career out of. So what was the moment that, or like, the progression of when you realized that it wasn't just like a hobby or something that you did for wellness on the side but something that you wanted to dedicate like your career to and make that shift yeah I think it was a slow journey but I um was very excited I want to say in like the 2010s mm -hmm. um 20 teens I don't know what we're calling that about <laughs> at that time it was like the hair industry and the natural hair industry mm -hmm. for black women, I saw it exploding. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I was paying so much attention to the growth of those brands. And I realized like, wow, this is a really interesting area and one where I, you know, have a unique voice. Um, but my first venture into beauty was through a boutique. I opened a boutique in New York City. Wow. Um, like a boutique curated with the needs of, of um, people of color in mind. Mm -hmm. And so we had like skincare, hair care, and cosmetics. And that was very driven by seeing the explosion of the texture hair industry. Um, but even in that space, I was like, you know, there are so many unique needs um, for deeper skin tones. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just not being addressed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even like seeing my face in the visuals. I'm not seeing my skin type. You know, everyone's skin is perfect in the marketing. And like, yeah. that's great and aspirational. But like, I want to see, I want to see a pimple. I want to see some sort of scarring, something that looks like what I see when I look in the mirror. And so um, I was happy to be in the beauty space, but I was still like, no, I, there's still a story to tell that that hasn't been told. So you had a boutique and that was your first, like, what made you decide to quit your job as a lawyer yeah. and be like, I'm going to open up a boutique, a beauty boutique? So that is so funny when I have these conversations because it sounds very smooth, but it really took me about two years yeah. to make that jump. Um, I just wasn't excited. I wasn't like, in, I wasn't excited about what I was doing. And on the side, I was just so driven by building this company. And so at the time, I was like looking at spaces on my weekends. Mm -hmm. And I was writing lists of the brands I would carry in the boutique if I opened a boutique. And before I knew it, I was like, this is a business plan. You yeah. Know, this is an unofficial business plan. And um, I think the same thing happens with Hyper. I was in this in my boutique at the time. And I struggled with keeping the boutique and opening a brand. Yeah. But I realized that once I started Hyper, I just wanted to tell one story. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't do the other brands justice. 
But um, the same thing happened. You just kind of, I was just like researching and, and focusing on this business that I wish existed and I realized I was building it. So can you tell us a little bit about Hyper and the inspiration behind it? Yeah, so Hyper um, stands for hyper-targeted skincare. And so we are targeting these like under-addressed concerns in the market. Mm-hmm. And um, the first issue that we are speaking to is like breakout prone and dark spots. Those um, are my problems. Right, there are so many people's problems. Yeah. And I feel <laughs> like for some reason they've just not been censored in the beauty space. And so um, we started there because they that's the number one concern of anyone with a skin tone deeper than tan. And so it just made a lot of sense. It's also my number one skincare concern. So I knew I could speak to it. Mm-hmm. I knew um, it just was very personal to me. Um, and now we're, you know, excited to speak to other issues. But Hyper is all about hyper-targeting skincare and having, like, um, products that are results-oriented but that spark joy. Mm-hmm. Because as someone that has had, like, acne-prone skin and all of these skincare concerns, I feel like my skincare shelf hasn't always been, like, the fun, beautiful, you know, joy-filled shelf. And yeah. so wanting to bring the two together mm-hmm. because I think skincare is something like really special for a lot of people. And I think that if you have a concern, it should still be that. So how, what were like the first steps that you took when you decided, you know, I think I want to create a product or a line? Um, I think my first step, I had already um, had a strong sense of ingredients. Um, for the first issues I wanted to tackle. Um, and so it was really um, finding a lab mm-hmm. and finding a chemist. And obviously their perspective and their thoughts on ingredients was just yeah. as important as mine. And so someone that had the same, um, because you can easily, easily quote unquote find a chemist, but someone that had the same perspective as me, which was um, clinical, effective, but also a balance because I think a lot of times when you have skin struggles, you do the most. You're yes. like really hard. Yes. You know. It's like I want it to burn. I want it to burn. <laughs> I want the highest actives. <laughs> and, and I'd done that to myself already on the personal side. So I wanted a chemist that understood balance. Mm-hmm. And so finding a chemist was like one of like the most important step for me to really, you know, move things along. Um, I think on the marketing side, I already had like strong perspectives. I'd been surrounded by brands. Mm -hmm. So when it came to like packaging and naming and all of these things, I think um, that was sort of a me journey, but the, the, the lab was something where I like needed someone else that could offer me something that I couldn't get started, you know? So from like the first spark of an idea till like launch, like what, how long did that take? Cause sometimes it can be like, oh, I had an idea and you know, it kind of just like happens. It was another two year. Yeah, it was another. And yeah, it was not overnight. I mean, I think it took about a year for the products alone Mm -hmm. to be developed. We went through our hero product is our dark spot serum. I think we went through. I want to say now now it's eight or 11 before I knew the number really sharply. But we went through multiple rounds of this serum Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of testing, a lot of testing groups. Um, So that alone was like a one year journey. Um, and then I also have children. I had like a baby along the way, so I gave oh, myself wow. a maternity leave. Mm. It was a lot. Um, but it was like a two year journey from I think we should do this to it's in the world. Amazing. Yeah. 
I know because it can seem like some things just happen like overnight, but there's so Everything much work. Everything seems easy when you're when people are. T- that's why I like to emphasize the length of time. Yeah. Because I listen to so many journeys, and it just sounds like everything happened overnight. Yeah. And it hardly, it it rarely does. You know. How I mean, this is kind of off topic, but like, how do how were you able to like balance or manage like creating like a family and having a baby and like creating this other baby this company um I, I it was messy yeah it is still is but um I but it's possible it's possible um <laughs> as long as you don't expect it to look at a certain way um it, it's possible I mean I remember in New York City in New York City yeah I remember meeting with other founders um I think we'd already launched into the world or or immediately pre-launch and I like had my baby like in the carrier and I'd meet at at the time it was like a woman's co-working space and I like had my like <laughs> three yeah. four five six month old baby with me um, because sometimes that's how it looks um, but you know I think there's something really nice about the flexibility of owning your own schedule and there's something really messy about it and I've always embraced that it is like a privilege and one of the toughest parts of it all yeah, I mean, it scares the living hell I out bet. of me. It, it shouldn't scare you, though, as long as you embrace. But I think because you're a founder first, you already know that life is is crazy. And once you've accepted that, then just throw the kids in. Like, yeah, that's true. If that's what you, if that's the path. It's know. just like even more lack of control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what? So once you had your perfect product formulated, like everything ready to go, and you launch, you know, what were like some of the biggest challenges that came with, you know, creating your own skincare brand? There's so many out there. Like, mm-hmm. how did you like differentiate yourself and, you know, kind of get recognized? I mean, what is the biggest challenge? There's so many challenges and I think they still exist. I think at every stage, um, finding people, mm-hmm. that's a huge challenge. Um, I did a lot on my own mm-hmm. um, because we were self-funded and so I was the social media manager, yep. the this manager, the that manager. Um, and that is not sustainable. I um, say that, but I also, if anyone asks for advice, I always like to say that as soon as you can pass on certain tasks, do that so that you can really focus on where your strengths lie. Um, but I think um, finding a team um, and finding the, re- like building up to the resources to have a team, those were like the two biggest challenges, resources and then just surrounding yourself with the right people. And I think at every stage of growth, I'm looking around and I'm like, we need more people, we need more money. Yes. <laughs> so it hasn't changed. No, yeah, I would. I yeah. always say like, everyone's like, oh, you know, is it easier the bigger you guys? Like, no, you just have like new challenges. New like challenges. it's not easier, it's just like completely new challenges, but yeah. they're not like easier challenges. No, definitely <laughs> not, definitely not. I feel like you have, um, like your products have such a cult following and people really love them. So how did like, did you get that virality or that community built around it? Yeah, I think um, we definitely had an organic launch. And I think, I know that doesn't mean much, but like we did a lot of gifting to people that would just appreciate our products. Mm-hmm. We reached out to press, but we reached out to editors where I realized I was in the beauty space mm-hmm. and I hadn't had like the perfect dark spot treatments. And so I think I had the confidence that, for example, editors in New York with deeper skin tones might appreciate what was missing. And so I just prioritized people that I thought would get it, whether they were influencers and editors. 
And I think initially what benefited us was that people just got it. They were excited about it. And so it wasn't paid for us. It wasn't paid, you know, Mm -hmm. influencer partnerships. It was just organic enthusiasm. And I don't think you can match that. No. Like, you know, and so I think we launched with that energy and then the rest of the, you know, world kind of felt that and felt that enthusiasm. And I, I can't think of a better way to launch, you know. Um, but I think that's what gave us the initial buzz was that people were genuinely excited um, that it was like a straightforward product, straightforward name. It, it works. It, you know, feels good. It looks good. And I think that um, organic enthusiasm is hard. To, you can't buy it. You, it's, you can't replicate it. The authenticity the <laughs> is like the best thing yeah, to do because especially in a, such a crowded space right now with like people just influencing like anything. anything. It's like I... I'll scroll and I'll be like, mm, I'm. I used to get influenced by people, but now I'm like, I know you're getting like paid you're to getting say, paid yeah, to say this, yeah. yeah. And I think what was clear was that we weren't working with anyone. We yeah. were just, you know, gifting. We were gifting people. Yeah. But um, what was being said was was incredibly authentic, and I think that like set the tone for the brand. Um, and I feel like people kind of sort of copy what's what's out there, and so people are like, I want to try it and test it. Yeah, totally. Because if someone else loves it, like, I want to. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we started. Um, So when people started authentically loving it and you had this amazing community, like, what were – do you have any, like, pivotal moments that were, like, oh, wow, like, I'll remember this moment. This, like, really, like, took the company to, like, the next level or, you know, any – anything to look back on being like I'm really proud of like accomplishing this you know what yes but I do think that I should say that sometimes it's really hard to appreciate those moments yes um I think that's like one of the hardest things like the there's so many high highs and so many low lows but you like focus on like the lows exactly more than the highs. yeah you, you focus on the lows and they often happen on the same day and at the yeah. same time <laughs> um but I think um we set out and I gave myself six months to sort of figure out the world before talking to retailers and around that six month mark, we had um, a DM from Sephora. A DM? <laughs> In the DM. Oh they my DMs. God. And I was very happy about it. <laughs> like, anytime you want to slide in Sephora, please do. And that was like really the moment. Um, we, we started talking to, we have a few other niche retailers like Revolve and Urban Outfitters. Um, and so I think when those were flowing in, I was like, oh, wait, like people are noticing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I mean, nothing that has been the hugest thing for us. Um, so that DM led to led to us ultimately launching in Sephora. Oh, wow! Yeah, we're in um, 250 Sephora stores. We launched online mm-hmm. first um, about a year ago, and then we launched um, a few months ago. Oh my in god! Congratulations! Sephora's. Thank you. Yeah, but that was the hugest thing. And um, again, speaking to the fact that it was six months into our business, it took us about a year before we got into Sephora because yeah. nothing happens overnight. Um, but I think just that recognition that like, wow, Sephora, I'm such a Sephora girl. Me too. Like I, my rouge is, is very rouge. Like it is, <laughs> is very strong. Um, and, um, so I felt like a retailer with these amazing brands, like appreciating what we're building, like that meant so much to me. That was a very cool, that's, yeah, tap. Yeah, that's incredible. So you mentioned you started it, um, without any capital. Are you still like completely bootstrapped? So we actually have raised friends and family mm-hmm. um, from Angel Investment. Um, so we don't yet have any like blue chip VCs. Right. 
But as I just mentioned, we are in Sephora. And if anyone knows anything about retail, it's very expensive. Yeah. And so I'm definitely um, considering and, and strategizing on when we would fundraise again mm-hmm. um, at that level and bring on um, the right partnership. So yeah, again, like people and capital are the things that are always, <laughs> always. In, in demand. Do you have any advice um, for someone who may be kind of at that point in their career where they, you know, might want to take that leap of faith to start their own thing, but they're not quite sure? Um, Any pros and cons or words of wisdom? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot that because I was I can recall being in my office as an attorney and building a business, I always like to tell people, first of all, don't jump ship immediately, (laughs) like do as much as you can while you have the comfort of whatever your environment is. But there's so much that you can be doing in terms of like building community, if you're fundraising, like building those relationships, um, researching, even like developing your product, whatever, or if that is the the arena it's in. I think just do as much as you can do and try to network as much as possible um, and build community. I think in this day and age, um, we launched to I think 10,000 followers, but it would have been great to launch to 10,000 more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like um, having people enthusiastic about what you're launching on launch day is, am- is amazing. And so I think there are just so many things like community and networking and fundraising um, and building in the back end that you can be doing. Um, and that can make your day-to-day like more exciting. And so I always encourage people to do as much as they can before they jump ship. But when it's time you'll know mm-hmm. i think i've it's it's you know life is going to tell you when it's time and when your business needs you completely and when your business is at a level of success that you can like support yourself fully in the next era and so you know just stay in tune with that but there's a lot that you can do before you jump ship and so. i think what's like um cool about hyper and special about hyper is that you had the strong community and you were addressing a specific problem that you knew there wasn't like a solution for like oh i think a lot of companies the issue is you're like okay i'm gonna like start this company i'm gonna like buy a bunch of followers and like everything i'm gonna raise a bunch of money and then like success will come but if you're not like addressing a specific need for a specific group of people that are into it then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. all those businesses fail no matter how much money you have because yeah. you know there yeah. isn't that passion yeah. behind it there's no amount of like ads you can spend yeah for a problem that no one cares about, about right? exactly so so yes we that is i think that's very true i think having that engaged enthusiastic audience is everything and so if you can spend time pinpointing that audience and that problem and proving it and building towards that i think you know that's that's where you start Totally. So we kind of touched upon this earlier, like how with every stage in your business, there are like different challenges that Mm come. Um, At first, it's like creating, you know, your formula, like getting into retail now, you know, obviously people and capital. But are there any like challenges in this growth phase that you're facing? Um, I wouldn't say challenges, but I would say for me, like being in retail is is a huge change. Mm -hmm. It's like a second business um, to learn and to navigate. And so um, I think that's what like keeps me up at night, like retail and learning that machine um, because we are this small lean indie brand, Mm -hmm. but like communicating with a retailer the size of Sephora, it's it's just everything is very different. The way you communicate, 
um, you know, I'm like, oh, I have an idea. I'll chat with my team. And then I, like, create a deck for Sephora. I like, I have to, like, go back to my corporate roots. Yeah. Um, and so I think navigating that world and growing in that world is, like, the biggest challenge right now. And it's a great challenge, but it really is um, – it really is, I think, a big and complicated one. So what are some of your favorite products um, that you've launched since launching your Hero product? Okay, yeah. So um, we launched, after our Dark Spot Serum, we launched, um, I don't want to say my favorite product because I know I'm not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but we launched. A bestseller. Yeah, mm-hmm. we launched an exfoliating mask. Uh-huh. Um, it's called the Faded and Glow AHA mask. And it has mandelic acid. I don't know if you're a skincare junkie, but mandelic acid is kind of like glycolic acid. Mm-hmm. I love glycolic acid. Right, mm-hmm. but it's more gentle. So it does all of the the exfoliating, gets rid of the dead skin. So you get the brightening, um, but it's more gentle, and it's also great for dark spots mm-hmm. and great if you have breakout-prone skin. I'm obsessed with the ingredient. Mm-hmm. And um, that has been amazing. We won, like, Allure Best of Beauty with that launch. Congratulations. And it just is generally, like, one of my favorite products to use because it kind of slows me down mm-hmm. like I use it in the morning and um like a couple of times a week and just kind of like I like commit to a slow morning with it mm-hmm. um and then obviously I'm brighter like <laughs> after I use it so yeah that has been an amazing launch um and I'm excited to launch more products we have some stuff coming later this year but it's a little too early to talk about it but um yeah, excited to tackle breakouts and hyperpigmentation, but we have um, products addressing some other areas coming up. So just excited to broaden the conversation because I think for years there have been so many concerns that have been considered niche, mm-hmm. and um, I'm excited to like bring them to the forefront. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I feel like hyperpigmentation and like breakouts are totally not niche. Not like, niche. Yeah. So I because like I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. I think a lot of I mean acne has always been yeah. front and center. Um, I think that combination of how acne mm-hmm. affects deeper skin tones yep. versus lighter skin tones hasn't been censored. Yeah. Um, but I think for years I was always like vitamin C and like doing a hodgepodge of like ingredients right. to get to dark spots and I didn't have like this go-to um I don't think my aunts had like a go-to <laughs> product and so it's exciting how the landscape is changing um like even since we've launched I think the landscape in terms of like skincare for deeper skin tones and from a multicultural perspective it's so much more broad than it was when we launched late 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing a, a lot of new companies in this space, and it's been really exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, switching gears a little bit, because we are a jewelry company, Yay. and, you know, we love jewelry because, you know, it's it can have, like, an extra sentimental or special meaning. Yes. Do you have any pieces of jewelry that are extra special to you or that have a, um, you know, emotional tie in? So do you have any pieces of jewelry that are extra special or sentimental to you? Yeah, so I inherited um, my grandmother's jewelry, and I love her um, anniversary band. Mm-hmm. So she was married for many years, and I remember her always wearing, like, this very, like, plain, like, old band. But um, I recall I was already, like, a teenager, and she got, like, her upgraded, like, yeah. <laughs> anniversary bands, and I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. I wear it sometimes, and then when I wear it, I get nervous because I don't want anything yeah. to happen to it. But, um, yeah, I just love, like, 
I love that she receives it and I love that I have it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's the best part. I love when, you know, pieces of jewelry become heirlooms and you can pass them on from yeah. generation to generation. Yeah. And we'll even do like resets sometimes if, you know, you want to use the stones, but it's kind of like. That's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cute. Um, so what, what can we expect from Hyper in the next five 10 years oh my gosh uh, what are your goals and aspirations I want to say my 10 year goal is for hyper to be a household name Mm -hmm. I want um and I am excited to like right now we started very niche I think as indie brands do Mm -hmm. but just very excited to be known as a brand that is tackling the concerns that are pressing to our to our customer base and so um so yeah, really excited to be just the brand that comes to mind when your skin is needs something like um, results oriented um, and um, sorry, I just no worries. threw a blank because um, I forgot what it was I say. Need something results oriented um, and when your skin is is at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, where can we shop, follow all of those good things? Um, so very easy. Hyper is at hyperskin.com and at Sephora. So um, if you're a Sephora person, go there. Um, and then you can follow along with us on Hyper at Hyperskin. We love TikTok and Instagram. Um, so yeah, that's all the Hyper stuff. And I'm at Desiree.Verdejo um, if you... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. This was great. Oh. <laughs> I'm Olivia Landau, founder of The Clear Cut, and you just listen to Cozying Up, where we feature women that inspire us. You can tune into episodes wherever you listen to your favorite shows and find us on social media at The Clear Cut.